You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, episode 19. That is legacy numbering 519. And I'm here, as always, to begin things with my man, Matt. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? What up? We have, I mean, we have actually some pretty big issues this week that at least me and you are talking about. There's some Mm -hmm. other stuff as well, but me and you are going to have two new number ones, including the book that everybody's been waiting for, Jackpot. Jackpot (laughs) number one. We'll see how that all works out. And it's kind of an uphill battle. I think that book is fighting right away the idea of Mary Jane Evan Powers. Also, luckily, we get more Paul, which I was hoping maybe Paul got lost in the shuffle and died during this whole gang war. He's very much alive. Yeah, if Paul died in the gang war, I would suddenly think gang war is (laughs) the best event that Marvel's ever done. And in its entirety, it would be awesome. But before we jump into these books, which we will be starting with Amazing Spider-Man, the big flagship gang war title, I just want to remind everybody to check out some things around the intranets you can go to twitter at weird science dc follow us we'll follow you back you can also go to our youtube page which is just weird science comics where we do have reviews from these podcasts but also some dc stuff and maybe even some indie and manga stuff coming up as the channel gains more traction and then you can go and look at sus gabe's reviews over on our marvel site which is weird science marvel comics.com but that being done, said and done, we'll jump into these. The, I, it's exciting to get new number ones. Kind of mm-hmm. wish they were a little better. That would make it a little more exciting. Uh, but we'll see, because first we're going to start with not a new number one, but what is a number 42, and it is The Amazing Spider-Man. Number 42, it is a gang war issue, thank goodness. I love this gang war so much, I can't get enough of it. We never want it to end. It seems like it never will. <laughs> you know, at at this point, I'm sitting there thinking, like, what's Spider-Man doing? We we see him. This is his title. He's on the cover. Holy moly! He, he has more real estate going on in this issue on the cover than it seems like he actually should just be roving reporter Spider-Man because that's all he is. He's just around so that we can see what goes on around him. He doesn't really have much to do, but. It is written by Zeb Wells, pencils by John Romita Jr. Me and you have defended John Romita Jr. for a while now. Why is it during this gang war that each issue that comes out, I swear to God, he's trying to prove us wrong? Yeah. Because this art is not good in this. It's starting to really take a dive. I know that some people will be out there saying they said that for a while now, and I'm aware that his art isn't as good as what it was once, but. I thought the stuff here on Amazing Spider-Man before this gang war was way better than the stuff he did say with Bendis at DC, uh, you know, prior to this. But it seems like maybe he's just busy, tired. I mean, his dad did pass away, so I should give him a little bit of a, you know, lead way, but it's it's not good. Scott Hanna on inks, Marcel Menios on colors, VCs, Joe Caramagna on letters. And we ended up last issue, and if you remember... There was a big kiss fight going on. You had the smooching <laughs> fight between Tombstone and Kingpin. While also you had Typhoid Mary going, you who, Spidey, from behind. That kind of stops, thank God. Like, that nonsense is over. But we ended <laughs> the issue 
with this whole thing where you're supposed to think, and we said, everybody says, and they even say it in this, the idea that Kingpin's like, yep, I'm going to take care of everything. And it looked like he was setting up that the Rose, his son, that he actually brought back with the Lifeline tablet in the next Spencer run, that he actually ends up having him, you know, defeat Janice, yeah. Tombstone's daughter. And, and it looked like maybe Janice would be dead. That's not the case. And it's such a stupid swerve in my mind that it got me angry because what ends up happening, you end up having these gala troops that Fisk shows up with. Suddenly they look like they're futuristic, you know, spacemen when they go to, quote unquote, take care of things. What they did was just run in there, kind of fire away a little, but just to grab the rose so that they could skirt him off so he could be safe with Fisk, who claims, I'm not involved in any of this, and neither are my kids. It they didn't took make down sense. Digger, I guess. They yeah, shot him. and that, like, they're doing to, because you had to have somebody because they came in rooting, tooting, shooting. So, yeah, but that was the play to get the, the cliffhanger. Yeah, there was no need for that. No, they went there to say, hey, uh, Rose, your dad doesn't want you involved in this, and he wants to protect you, so you're okay till after this. Let's go. And that's what they do. So, Janice, and even. That play of her new armor, that new suit, like we kept, me and you were discussing this. It was actually like we were trying to, you know, maybe guess at things. Well, I don't think that suit would be this. She'll be shot, but the suit didn't matter. I mean, it really didn't matter. It doesn't matter. So all that goes on because they end up where the call comes in and Fisk's one, he, he wants to still try to play this game that it was more nefarious. And then you have finally says, oh, no, 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 I just wanted the fists are sending this out, which in my mind also retroactively shows us why we never saw Butch. But I think that was a mistake. And this is supposed to kind of cover that up. It, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, the whole thing is weird, too, because they go and they shoot Digger and then they rip like they pull. They don't say, hey, Rose, come with us. They like yank him out of there like he's. First of all, he's probably like a 40-year-old man and like he's being treated like a little child. It's very odd. What, what would that conversation be with, with his dad? Be like? I, I guess, it, you know, this because Wilson's just going to say you shut up. Yeah, but it's... it's He doesn't it's, even give him... That's the play that you might have. Down, are we going to see anything down the road? And if you do, maybe it would be the Rose saying, why can't I make my own decisions? I wanted to do this. He didn't let me. It's a weird play. Like yeah, you said, weird. treats him like an eight-year-old. Uh-huh. Treats him like uh, all of a sudden I hear that these kids are, you know, scuffling at the park and I send or I go down and just grab him and, and pull him. It's weird. So then even then you have one of these guys, you know, oh, here's a phone here. Talk to your dad. And then you have tombstones like, yeah, yeah. OK, uh, you're OK. All right. That's good. And then Fisk just says, I'm out. Fisk out. He's out. I'm doing X-Men stuff. See you later. Yeah. <laughs> The reason we had Fisk at all, I guess, was just to have a couple of cliffhangers that made you think. Because remember, the one cliffhanger was, oh, my God, you know, we thought the Rose was coming to fight Tombstone, She-Hulk, and Spider-Man. And it ended up being Wilson Fisk. Oh, my God. It never felt right. Didn't feel like he fit in what was going on, even with the Hellfire Gala stuff and the X-Men stuff. So he just shows up. Pretty much to make out fight with with Tombstone to get us another cliffhanger that wasn't what it was supposed to be. And then, boom, he leaves. 
it really felt like nothing of nothing. I mean, it really was. Yeah, Typhoid Mary doing annoying yeah, stuff. Yeah, doing that. And, and even then, they like, you have this little play here where you're going to start goofing off again. And so you have Fisk is like, well, you know, and he's all bloodied up because while that's going, you did have Tombstone. Lincoln was like biting pieces of Fisk's face off. Then they were headbutting. Then they were kissing. And then you have Fisk there bleeding all over the place says, yeah, you know, I, I kind of like getting involved in the scuffles. It gets my blood pumping again. But hey, we're out of here. And goes, boop. When he touches <laughs> Typhoid, I'm like, get out of here. Like, this is so bad. I think Typhoid Mary was actually cheating on uh, with Wilson in, in a, an X-Men comic. Yep. And says, we've got to work out some minor indiscretions. Yeah. I think that might be a, might be a reference to that. Yeah, Not sure. I'm like, get out of town. Like, this is so. What did we get? From now, this shows Amazing Spider-Man is the flagship title of this gang war. Basically, the all of Marvel Comics. flagship title of Marvel <laughs> Comics. And what we're getting is just goofing off bull crap. I almost cursed, but I'll go crap. I mean, it is legitimately where this whole gang war is falling apart. All it's doing, again, is just putting a huge focus. On the idea that Zeb Wells should not be writing this book. Zeb Wells should not be in charge of any sort of event. And this is all just nonsense. So we then go off and what you're going to get then is Janice now has kind of gotten the whole deal and she's got more territory. I mean, R.I.P. Big Ben. Because we'll even have Big Ben later in the jackpot issue, but Big Ben is a non-entity that I don't even understand. He's not on the map anymore. He's already off the map. <laughs> so what it now is is that Janice controls more, and you want to push that fact of, hey, look, my dad always kept me down. And dad being Tombstone, a huge character, but he never was as big as me. I've done so much more than him that then just sets up what the big giant battle will be is Madam Mask versus Janice, two daughters who end up thinking that their dads kind of set them up and didn't treat them well, but they still love their dad. It, it's just nonsense. So they go off and you do have Janice say, hey, uh, we got to kind of get an army going. Digger didn't die. He just jumps up. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. What's going on? They're like, oh. Digger, you're still alive? You want to join up with us? You're on our our side now. Where'd the Rose go? Oh, he left you. All right. He didn't, though. He got no, pulled out of he there. He got pulled but... out. And probably, if you you know, questioned him, he thought Digger was probably dead. Yeah. And so they're going to go with that. Then we go off, and like I said, the big play here is to go with Madame Mask. We see Madame Mask doing her crazy manipulations. Not much is really explained. And you end up where she's getting her army together, including Shotgun, who was there to kill her, but now isn't. And now he's right in the front lines. All right. You know what we haven't mentioned much of right yet? Spider-Man. He's <laughs> doing nothing in this issue. He's hanging they... out with She-Hulk. It's kind of annoying, actually. She-Hulk is, is, just doesn't fit in this book. In no. She-Hulk's just like both of them are just standing around. And even later again. More annoying in the jackpot issue than this one, but still, mm-hmm. they don't have anything to do. You do bring up something in this issue that I completely forgot that should have been one of the main things was, oh, yeah, Randy, Randy Robertson, he got shot. <laughs> I'm like, 
I forgot all about that. I completely forgot. And that was to deal with Janice and stuff like that. We haven't seen nothing Mm -hmm. about that. So you then get what we normally get in these things. We get a call from from Luke Cage, who says he's busy. Everybody fighting robots. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Everybody in this whole event, what they usually are doing in each issue is telling you what they will be doing in other issues. You know, hey, Luke, what's up? Oh, I'm busy fighting robots in my own book. Oh, okay. Hey, this, what's that? Everybody's like, we got to go. Fisk, he's off to do whatever he's doing. And that's just mm-hmm. nothing is happening. And then when you do finally get the face-to-face, Madam Mask and Janice, it's kind of boring. They just start talking about that big, you know, deal that's kind of surface level. Oh, my dad. And they're going to go through their history. My dad had me and the, the Magia, and he wanted to protect me, but he didn't treat me well, and here I am. Oh, what? My dad, he loves me. It's almost like a one-up battle here of who had a crappier father. Yeah. Whose father's the worst and who had a more <laughs> of a crappier. And I guess it's a tie at the end. They're like, all right. And then you even get like a leaving kind of like nod of you're not so bad. You know, Madam Mass says, hey, take care of yourself. But they're going to face off. They decide to face off in Central Park the next day. Both sides are going to gather up their armies, kind of. And that's about it. I mean, that's the whole issue. And then you just get Tombstone, who's worried about his daughter, and says, again, everything feels almost like cringy, over-the-top, like, roll-your-eyes dialogue. Hey, Tombstone, I guess you're afraid if your daughter loses. No, I'm more afraid of what happens if she wins. I'm like, all right. (laughs) Okay, let's go. And then I think what happens is Spider-Man goes aside and says hey you know jennifer come here she hulk and i'm really doing much right i mean you're passing out cards for your lawyer crap but i really don't even have that like i'm just me so how about we get to can we jump off the building in the most awkward looking way please because that would be so okay let's do it yeah i I, I was just about to say that (laughs) what happens is they didn't quite coordinate it as well but really i want to change that she hulk should be yelling cannonball and and I don't know, Spider-Man should be yelling boo. <laughs> what are they doing? Spider-Man's got that those long short legs, long torso. Thing oh my god, on. look at him. And he's just his like, arms I don't are know. longer than his legs. <laughs> he looks almost like he's jumping more like Wolverine than anything. And I swear to God, Jennifer thinks she's the anchor man yelling cannonball mm-hmm. into what is a non-pool below her. And if you look in the background, Tombstone should just have the WTF above him because he has no idea what they're doing. He looks very confused of what's going on. Then we go to Central Park (laughs) and you get both sides together. But at this point, you realize that nothing at all has been set up and you're going to get this pretty much. This is the biggest battle and one of the first like real gang fights, it seems overall. And you have people like Rabble. From Miles' book, but looks completely different. But you have to mention, oh, you're Rabble with the Hobgoblin. It makes me wonder what's the real Rabble look like. Because some of that art in that Miles book is uh, suspect, too. Yeah, so this is weird. And (laughs) Rabble has shown up to upgrade tech. For Madame Mask. Big Madame Mask gauntlets. But, of course, Rabble's like, listen, I know that your color scheme's different. But I go purple, and you're going purple. Now, they have that, and then you get the Syndicate. The team that's kind of like 
you know, the Sinister Six, but the version that Can Janice you imagine has as if the this, this page we're looking at right here, this double page spread, if like Alex Ross did this, how cool this would be? Oh, yeah, it'd be awesome. But looking at it now, <laughs> the, the perspectives are so like this is where I think that I'm guessing that John Romita Jr. was a little rushed, that maybe because nothing in this page, it's a full page that nothing looks good. People look like, I, I hate to say it, but they look like they're kind of like circus, you know, carny people. They, they all look ridiculous. And then as you go down, you realize that Janice, she does not have that many villain, super-powered people there. Whether it looks like... Those are the street, street toughs. What are those guys? Nonsense. Yeah, they, like, they have bats and, and like clubs. The other side, they seem to have, like, electric prods and laser guns. <laughs> it's not going to be a good battle. And, like I said, Janice and her crew, they're in big trouble. They were even talking about, like, Scorpia. Everybody's ripped apart. I don't yeah, think the, she's there. I, I Lady guess, Octopus or Dr. Octopus or whatever is, like, missing arms. Yeah, she's missing arms. Scorpiana, however they pronounce it, like, her tail was ripped off, but I don't even <laughs> see her. I mean, and what's the rabbit going to do? I, Blow bubbles? Earlier I saw, like, when they had all the smoke clearing from that big fight, she was blowing bubbles. I'm like, that would be disgusting. You'd get everything on that gum. Also, when you have this lame crew, don't put Lady Electro <laughs> in the back. She's in the front. There's yes. no reason. She's get the one of these one. schmucks, you know, over on the side. Get, get her out there. She could just start shocking people. And they're tech-based. Do it. ay 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 it's not very good. What would you give this? This to me is a it's a it's a six. It's just under, underwhelming. I, don't I know. think I'm going five five because yeah. I don't even, and <laughs> that's been pretty standard lately. We know how things go, but Silvermane and Count Nefaria they seem to have like Count Nefaria should how be the one that How did they get resurrected? Really, the guy got thrown off a building. We saw the skull bash in Silvermane. He just needs a new body. They got him that, right? There's but, something animating them, but they didn't show us what it is. Like that 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 crystal on them. It always feels like we're missing something in this, right? And we're reading everything. Oh, wait a minute. I know what we're missing. A good story. <laughs> That's what, a, a basis that there should be an event. Thank you. Five, five. You're a six. Yeah. The arts. The arts not great. I hate to say it. It's it taking really a dive. Isn't. I mean, it's, a, it's a, a longer, a shorter timetable. So that's probably what's going on with them. Like I said, at the end, you have a bunch of people trying to do what he's doing. But that shotgun guy, that guy looks off. Like his proportions. His head is huge. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His head is so big. And then his body, I'm like, I don't like that. <laughs> kind of weird me out there, dude. Uh, but there's Digger. He's there. I think he could do some damage. But yeah. overall, just not very good. But we'll move on. We'll move on to the next thing. And I don't think things are going to get that much better. Because we have... The next book is the big the big book of the week, right? What everybody's mm -hmm. waiting for, but we'll get to that now. Here we go. Jackpot number one, written by Celeste Bronfman. It's art by Joey Vasquez with Eric Gatsper, I guess, helping out. You have colors by Edgar Delgado with Eric Arcianega. Letters by DC's Ariana Mayer. A lot of people in a book that means nothing and shouldn't exist. Is what I say. <laughs> and I'm not even trying to be mean That's about it. But what the setup of this whole thing and when people found out oh my god mary jana's powers it all came out and even in the back you're going to get nick lowe is going to beg you to go and read the zeb wells stuff with paul and the other and nobody wants to do that again but even so 
when you have Mary Jane have powers, it was set up to be these jackpot powers. That's why you have jackpot. Now, originally, the character jackpot came about near the One More Day stuff, mm-hmm. and you were supposed to think it was Mary Jane, and then it wasn't. You said to me before we started, it was the bait and switch. But the kind of the the clever thing about it was, is, oh, my God, Mary Jane has powers. Oh, it wasn't her. Yep. Well, now we're going to just use the name. And it does feel like, because what ends up happening at Marvel constantly, just like Gang War, they keep reusing names of events and this and that. Now we're just doing characters. So now Mary Jane finally does get to be Jackpot. But how does that work? Well, we're going to have her have this crazy power that works like a slot machine. She ends up hitting the thing and, then, you know, it does the bing, bing, bing of the three. Oh, and whatever happens, it's a luck of a draw. Whether she gets a good power, bad power, a power that would help or hinder, all of that stuff. That's kind of the setup of the character yep. until this issue. We have None a, of that happens. It's a gang war tie-in that has nothing to do with gang war. We know all it is is to kind of get a number one with this jackpot Mary Jane. But in this, you also throw in things that nobody ever wants to see again. I mean, Paul. Paul is like nothing's explained about the powers but if you do not they don't make sense and you never get what really is jackpot i mean that's why you're getting that and you don't get that it just seems like random powers but not even the way it was before and almost feels like they can control them now which lessens everything and yeah because paul's like involved somehow behind the scenes kind of influencing them or yeah, controlling Paul's them or somehow. some tech help We'll explain what he does, but all it means to me is, yeah, we don't want to deal with those jackpot powers. We just want, but why? There's no nobody wants Mary Jane with powers, right? Yeah, you could be in the yeah, you could be in the middle of a, a big battle and you get like cotton candy and we then saw you that die. Before. And that was the big thing. She was in hell and trying to fight and ended up going <laughs> to attack and like beep boop boop cotton candy. But that's the point. You get a lot of bad stuff, but you also get some good stuff. And and also, in my mind, I mean, just to throw in a manga estio, if anybody gets it, but in, say, My Hero Academia, people have quirks in that you have superpowers. Some of the superpowers seem totally ridiculous. What yeah. is anybody going to do with a frog tongue? But the fun of it is to see the smart, clever ways that the character, the hero, can do and use that in a situation. You may end up getting cotton candy out your fingers, but can you figure out a way to make that right also was never explained because if i got cotton candy out my fingers i'm hitting the thing again yeah i'm going for my net but never any rules set up and then in this you just completely throw it all away to make it even less of what was already nothing and i don't understand and just to point out this book is not a well-written book in my mind i don't think that there's any character work going on you barely set up anything. You have jokes that come out of nowhere and are repeated but weren't good the first time. But the pacing, character work, all of that is almost nil and void. It's it's nothing. And when I looked into it, the woman who writes this, and she might be a very nice person, whatever. Biggest credit, because only has done like 18 issues. Biggest credit was My Little Pony. Mm. 18 issues. 11 of them were My Little Pony. And you may say, well, Jim, My Little Pony's great. but I don't know that you're going to get a lot of, you know, adult-esque storytelling from My Little Pony. And this feels like it might have been a My Little Pony. It really doesn't make sense throughout this whole issue. And it gets, it, it actually I mean, just imagine, gets annoying. 
but just imagine picking this up and, and the first scene is they're they're in the psychiatrist or psychologist's office and like wouldn't most people just say why does Peter Parker have glasses, a goatee, and long hair now? Like, yeah, who's yeah, Paul? That's gonna, there's no setup. Yeah, and here I'll give you. We'll go through the <laughs> recap, and then we'll start because even with setup or without setup, it makes no sense. With no. the recent loss of their children, which you know we could go into that, but we won't. Yeah, but yeah their yeah, children disappeared and wacky. Mary Jane and her partner and engineer of her gauntlet, Paul, have been working through unfathomable guilt. Keep this in mind, people. Grief. Remember that. <laughs> Loss of children, unfathomable guilt. At the urging of her friend, Black Cat, MJ has begun to cope by helping the community with her new powers. We don't really see that. The training wheels are about to come off, though. A gang war is brewing, and it may be too much for Spider-Man and his squad to handle on their own. Luckily, Team Spidey just hit the jackpot. I swear, this character is only around so that you can have Casino and gambling puns. They just hit the hit. So, oh, also, we, we get it. You just hit the jackpot tight. It's just, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, that's all but it is. We, we go in. First off, Big Ben has left the building. We made <laughs> jokes about Big Ben. We even made it, you know, on this show, the idea that he's completely off the. Even though you're going to start by trying to think that Big I don't even know Big Ben. So uh-uh. ridiculous. So, what you have, though, is you start, hey, look what. Ends up happening, and you do have Mary Jane with her jackpot powers, and she's fighting the Lady Electro, and getting thrown off a building. As you get such clever dialogue as jackpot, what a dumb name. Well, I, I agree. Not sure what casino gave you these kitty corner powers, but they should have told you what happens in Vegas should stay in Vegas. As you're in New York during gang war with these characters, this. <laughs> There's nothing like that's the joke that that's the big entry into it of what stay what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas because of powers of jackpot. So you go from there. We'll get back to that because that whole thing will be repeated in the middle. I, yeah, I've rarely ever seen where weird storytelling. Yeah. yeah, you have a flash forward and then when you get back to it, you actually go through the scene once again, just the waste panels. But Mary Jane is like. It's the classic. Oh my god. And you can even see her. While she's falling, she's desperately jamming on that gauntlet like me in a fighting game. And she's like, come on, come on. But then Oh yeah, earlier, by the way, she can fly now too. We didn't know about that. Yeah. Like these things just kinda happen. <laughs> it's a default power flying. Yeah. When? So and and also that kind of no it, it nullifies any sort of thing here because she should be up. We saw her flag the whole issue and yet she, we're supposed to think she's in danger from falling off a building. Earlier that day, she's at gr- they're at grief counseling. Mary Jane and Paul are at grief counseling. We just said in that recap, the setup that was given to this writer was they have unfathomable grief from losing their kids. And what we start out with is this therapist say, oh, oh, did you go through the journal exercise I assigned to you last week? And Paul goes, yeah, I got mine right here while he's laughing. And Mary Jane goes, brown nose or what? Like, what are you doing? This is supposed (laughs) to be them having this grief and they are joking around. Then after this, they leave the session because then Mary Jane's like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't do my assignment. I'll do it. I was a little busy. You know how it is. And the therapist says, oh. Well, you know what? You admitting that is great, so you're you're good. But bring it back next week, and then Paul 
brown nose. And they start laughing again. They Mm -hmm. are awful, awful people. Then after that, it's not enough to do that. They're like walk out of the Sunrise Counseling Clinic that's right next to a pub. And then they're joking. What came first, the clinic or the bar next door? Seriously, Paul. I want to punch you in the face. Uh, all of them. <laughs> like, even that. It's, I think it's Mary Jane who asked that first. But in this, if you don't care about it, but there are people who are probably at that therapy, that therapist deal because oh, they've lost family. But just things like that. And you're joking about their being, oh, well, you know what? I think we should get drunk and figure it yeah, out. Yeah, start ripping shots. So they go off to this bar and then <laughs> Mary Jane gets shots, comes back. This usually, I don't know, would end up with real bad. Hey, what are those shots? Mary Jane says the bartender's special concoction. He's an artiste. Right away, if I'm Paul, I'm like, how do you know this? Like, what kind of day drinking have you been doing, Mary Jane? Because (laughs) I I don't know how you know. And what's going on with this bartender? Like, Paul should be real. So he takes the shot, but it's more like, and he spits it out. (sighs) We've now wasted this many pages. Yeah, it's unnecessary getting me angry but you you end up then when they're like okay well oh my god boom what's happening we go outside and and from where they were walking next door to the bar it's (laughs) now become world war eight looks like the nam here (laughs) yeah what is this holy moly like all of a sudden you have aim characters (laughs) they are every place is on fire bands guys yeah there's big bands guys one of them's got to be big ben i don't know they say like big ben's out there hey big Big ben wants these streets to himself but all of a sudden all hell has completely (laughs) broken loose in the middle of this new york city you know street and they're just rooting shooting firing away then also i do want to point out too just is this just me but it, it does seem like when they come out of the therapist it looks like it might be like two in the afternoon when they hear this boom they go out i swear to god it's nine at night yeah. <laughs> they've, they've been drinking that long probably and, holy moly cars are over turned up by oh no we got to do something hey oh <laughs> you go back to hq and I'm going to go, and I need a distraction. For so this, again, we didn't even talk about this before. Mary Jane starts running because she's going to use her powers, right? She's going to save people. Paul, he's going to stop everybody because what he does is jump into the radio shack on the corner. Yeah, it just turns the volume up. Grabs a speaker, somehow has on like an action movie on these TVs and hits it where there's an explosion that then everybody is so stupid. That they think it's a real explosion Even though they're right amongst Firing guns and explosions Anyway and they all go run They scatter because Paul has played (laughs) a big Giant thing and I'll tell you I was telling you before that there was something That Cody Ziegler wrote that It was during King and Black where Cody Ziegler had a deal Where to take down a symbiote I think it was a group ran into a radio shack and like played a, it's not or like yeah, on their phone. I, it was like so I, it's I think he did something with spider punk with the Yeah, so there was like know. it's so ridiculous. But here we go. So you have Mary Jane, she's trying to help people. And really what she did was yell to these this couple with a kid, follow me and just ran. And yep. then they ran ahead of her and they said, Thank you. She didn't do crap. She's just running. Then she's like, Okay, it's time for jackpot. 
hits the gauntlet, which then gives her like poison ivy construct vine powers, and she flies away. See, to me, that's a useless power. I would have been mad if I got that one. And, but she's flying now. But she's also got <laughs> vines that she does kind of use. But the, fly, the flying should be, she has to hit that on the jackpot in order to get the flying power. When she hits the thing and it, it, it's a it's a cherry, a diamond, and a horseshoe. And she's like, oh, the modification seems to be working so far, Paul. But we don't know what she's talking about. And here's where you're going to deal with the powers. The powers that seem like you're going to play the jackpot whole concept would be you could be a winner you could be a loser maybe you break even but it you don't know and it could be the worst the best or kind of in the middle probably what i would think is the craziest super super superpower would probably be a really low chance and the thing that would instantly kill you be low as well that would be like three cherries or whatever yeah you know it's like something weird right so in that though paul says oh what i did was i rigged the gauntlet so that now you'll never have the chance to get the real the superpowers, ones. the greatest you're never ones, but get you the also won't get the worst. Of, so you're just in the middle, which defeats the whole purpose because he says, Mary Jane has had anxiety about this. <laughs> like, this is terrible. This, this is so bad. So, so she gets mid-powers and a mid-book, right? She gets mid-powers, and we'll <laughs> go through this issue, and she's never really showing... Like, at points, her power will change, but you're never really showing the idea of, oh, my, I hope this is a good one. Oh, man, I really could use this. You don't have that anymore. Yeah, I get the impression that she's one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel Universe. With I, all the I don't know, because it's <laughs> like, even in this, she gets, like, weird. But she goes, now, she's flying around. But her powers she got were vine. He should have said, hey, I made it so you can fly. He should have just th- said that. And you don't, even, you don't see anything on the suit or anything that really does that. And I don't re- I don't recall her zipping around. But she's going to go now to help somebody out. It happens from Spider-Man and She-Hulk again. And they're fighting Armadillo. And you just get a lot of trash talk with Armadillo. It's not very good. Peter's webbing Armadillo up. Then Mary Jane's going to use these vines. And then when they end up being able to take down Armadillo with vines and web, they say that's called poetic justice. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Then immediately they, oh, no, She-Hulk needs something to do because she's always standing (laughs) around Peter. So now she's going to fight Man-Bull and She-Hulk's yelling, Man-Bull, you better stop. You're causing a lot of property damage. You're not going to be able to afford it. So then Mary Jane ends up where they're running towards Man-Bull. You end up where Mary Jane says, should we help out? Peter says, you better ask him. I don't know what he's talking about. She hits the gauntlet, and now she just hits him with freeze powers. We didn't even see really what Doesn't happened. Doesn't that bother Eric, though? Like, he's definitely dead when he frees somebody. Like, they can't, they, they can't come back from that. So right? he should be dead, but he's there, and they're <laughs> just, like, laughing it up. But again, where's the fun, like, I know that most people didn't think it was fun anyway, but the only thing that was interesting were, oh, how they gonna, how's she going to deal with these powers? How's she going to do it? Now, she just is like, hey, should we fight him? Beep, boop, boop, freeze powers, boom. She knows, and that's the problem. She knows that she has it, like, even before she does it, and it just doesn't. No, you're not supposed to know. You're supposed to spin the thing, and then Remember, whatever you the get, thing you was, get. When she did that, and we always talk about the idea of, like, cotton candy. Like, yeah. she thought that, okay, let's see what this is. I hope it, oh, no. Cut. No, this is like, here you go. 
I hope this doesn't sting. She's already like you've taken every little bit of interest out of this. Well, and there wasn't much to begin well, with. Well, that's why it works so well with Black Cat because her powers are luck based too. I think that's and they're luck based and also end up possibly making people around her unlucky. And also, so she was influencing it so that MJ was lucky yeah, too. Yeah, so that was kind of and what this is going to end up. This is a one shot. We'll end up continuing with another Black Cat. And MJ book, which you'd say, okay, that's kind of cool, except from it's the same writer here. This is just, it's so poorly paced. Scenes just happen. The dialogue is awful. It tries to be funny, but it isn't. You even have when Mary Jane ends up finally taking down and they take down this man bull. She says, I was worried about his bank account. And you're, 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 you're panels away from what the joke was there. That's the punchline to she all saying you're causing too much property damage. It's not a good joke. Doesn't and you end with that. And it's so confusing. Doesn't that. it look like She-Hulk's going to like be twerking or something on the yeah. next page? Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> she's so crazy. I mean, oh. look at that outfit. Yeah, look at it. Like, oh my goodness, butt cheeks. And yeah. so then She-Hulk, because when you have a writer who usually does My Little Pony and doesn't know these characters, they only get the surface level thing uh, in my mind so immediately <laughs> jennifer pulls out a card and says if you need lawyering work here you go she's like thanks a lot and take she hulk's card yeah i'll take this card and put it in my spandex with no pockets yes, for Thank superhero you. lawyering yeah and then all of a sudden i mean again these things just happen they're talking <laughs> oh no lady electro who then zaps them but Peter and Shield have to go. Peter never once is worried about Mary Jane. Never no. once says Doesn't like, ask her oh, how man. she's doing or anything. Yeah. Or like, man, these this crazy jackpot power, like how does it work? Like Peter would have so many issues with that. Yeah, if he, so like, many issues. So <laughs> in this whole thing though, you have so many opportunities for the Celeste Brompton to set up things. People who are reading this, there's gonna be a lot of people who've never read anything with these powers. They won't know what's going on with it, and you don't explain anything. And the people who do know it, you're not even following any of the rules from before. But Peter and she all just leave MJ to fight Lady Electro. And what happens is Lady Electro is able to suck the power out of the gauntlets to then supercharge herself and then acts like she's on heroin and starts yelling, you know, where are you, my lucky charm? Also, I said, we, we go back to that same Seen from before verbatim, you see her fall. She grabs onto a fire escape, goes and hides in somebody's apartment while she's calling Paul. Paul, I need help. You need to energize <laughs> these gauntlets while you have late electrodes like, Yoo-hoo! Lucky charms, where are you? And then she's like, oh, God, Paul. And Paul says, I'm going to get rid of the power dampener. Because what we want to have happen is you want Lady Electro to grab on the gauntlets and overcharge and die, possibly. Yep. But in my mind, you are now, you've already supercharged Electro. Don't give her more of that supercharge. Plus, how are you going to know that that's the power? Because these powers, are, it's nonsense. So he takes away the limiter, which then you'd hope, oh, this is going to show something really great or really bad, whatever. It doesn't really do anything. You can barely figure out what happened and then mary jane goes out and has wind powers never set up she goes out hits with wind powers and then this electro comes and says oh i'm gonna get all the power goes to grab the gauntlet and mary jane says wait no 
no, please. And this lady Electro goes, oh, I think you're coming on too strong. This must be a trap. I'm out of here. Yep. I said to you, the one thing that Mary Jane is is an actress. Why wouldn't she be able to fool this lady who's all hyped up to get it's so bad? And she goes off and then there's Mary <laughs> Jane. Oh, man, I better get her. Follows her. And gets her with a vortex. She's still now going around in a tornado. This just doesn't make any sense. So then Lady Electro's like, oh, I'm going to ruin this bridge so that you have to stop that, which then Mary Jane uses. And Paul is sitting there like he's like, ooh, I wonder what this is. Be careful. Well, the, torna- the tornado makes sense because there were Wizard of Oz references earlier. Yeah, and too. there was just a bunch of Wizard of Oz. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to get you on your – I mean, it's so – and but it's not even funny. The bridge is coming down. Mary Jane fix it with a tornado. And then you have Peter and She-Hulk show up and they save the day. And then when they're like, and she keeps grabbing and touching that gauntlet, but you never really see what's happening. And then Peter calls her MJ in front of She-Hulk and She-Hulk says, you should sue him for identity. Okay. And then Mary Jane walks away, and you hear help from somebody. It's it's pretty much probably the writer. Like I don't know how to write. Please, help. like <laughs> who cares? And again, we're we're in the middle. Like I love the idea where Electro then's like, I'm getting out of here because I gotta go hook up with Madame Mass. Goes up, and then Mary Jane's just walking down the street. It should still be gang war going on. There still should be people with cars up. She's just walking down the street, and here's help. I gotta help this because that's what I am. Someone who has never in her life been powerless. It's been a long road getting here, and I'm just getting started. Please end it. End it now. This needs to end. It's bad. I, yeah. I can't even make any sort of any sort of anything out of it. It's so bad. It's, it's like character assassination almost is what this is. It, here. Is, do you get Mary? I don't even get that it's Mary Jane. <laughs> like it's not Mary Jane. No. And the character like had some decent moments in some of the stuff we've seen her in, but this just dismantles all of that. Yeah. The power, like, again, just to fully, you know, I, I can't help it. I keep laughing at this thing. It's so bad. But yeah. you have the announcement. Hey, Mary Jane's actually going to be jackpot. People who knew what that was all about might think, Okay, well, that's kind of weird, but I see what you're doing from before where you had that bait and switch before and you're going to kind of bring it back that way. But then when, oh, she's going to have powers. I did not meet anybody who said that that's a good idea. Oh, and then you you say, oh, because we have to go jackpot and the whole, we're going to have a power set where she has this thing that spins and these, but then you don't even, like none of that's explained here and none of it is followed. You end up just having her just, I don't know. I mean, he might you might as well had, just have Paul at the, you know, I mean, yeah. HQ hitting button. Okay, he could have been Paul go. just doing a, a online casino gambling and spinning the thing, and whatever pops up is what power she gets. But they don't even have that. No, the the idea of the gauntlet and jackpot gets totally thrown out here to just have them say, I mean, and a random power like this, a, a random power selection, would not change just because you say. I got rid of the, you know, pretty much where you're averaging out. We're going to get rid of the highest score and the lowest score. That doesn't change the middle scores. So what you're doing is just completely throwing out the concept in a way that makes no sense. And nobody wanted it. What anyway. I'm thinking it is, this is just a cheap ripoff of the ambassadors where they got the pick. Yeah, like, yeah that's what it seems like. Yeah, now it seems like that. Yeah. So she picked flight, she picked electricity, and she picked wind or whatever I'd rather have that. I wish that she but, could, like, if she had a set amount of powers and she says, oh, I can only pick two or three, 
then you can work the thing there. Or say, say they, had a list, they had a list of 150 powers on a data page, and she spun that, and every time it randomly picked one of those. At least you need some guardrails on this and thing. And what man. you would do is, oh my god, she's fighting against Electro. What would be the coolest powers to get? Oh, maybe, maybe she you could some pick water ten. based power. Or I'm not yeah. picking throws it out anyway. It should no, but like still you could pick be. ten and spin it. Yeah, you know? but no, it's not. <laughs> a, at points in this, she does. It doesn't even seem like it's random. She just hits. You don't even see. Every time we should see something pop up and have something go, and it, it doesn't happen. It's awful. It's awful. It feels like somebody who doesn't get the assignment, doesn't know the characters, and is just thrown on here because. They're available. They might do it cheap, but it's Mary Jane. Take some more care, even if it's nonsense. But really what this does, it shows me that everybody at Marvel knows this is bull crap, and they're just doing it to maybe get variant covers in the cell. And number one, they're not even taking it seriously, even if it is ridiculous. You still have to play it serious if you're writing this, and it's it's, and it's not a gang war tie-in. No, and it's, yeah. Just throw that in as well. It's a one-shot non-gang war, gang war tie-in that is just bull crap. But what would you give it? One. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll be nice. 1.5. <laughs> it's just so bad. It just, it's a one. It's it just bad. is. I don't know. I mean, some people might like the art, but that, it's just so bad. I'm not trying to offend anybody. It's just a one. They're laughing at what has led us. It's set up that this is crippling <laughs> grief they're in, and they're making jokes and then go get drunk. One. I can't yeah. give it a 1.5. It's a 1. It's it's yeah. terrible. This is the sort of thing that ends up derailing everything. Because <laughs> we took way too long to talk about this stupid book. It's so ridiculously bad. And you get Paul. Right? Paul. I, yeah. here's, oh, I, I could say it's an opportunity for Paul to die in a future issue. I would say around. that on the opposite side, if you are given this assignment, you know, you have to know that people don't want this. Prove why it should be something, and out of nowhere, make us like Paul. If you could do that, then you are the illustrious writer that Niccolo says that she is in the back, even though 18 issues, 11 of them were My Little Pony. Also did some Degrassi stuff, but not the stuff with Drake. So get out of town <laughs> with your nonsense. This like, is also, uh, to me, it's also a cheap ripoff of even a ripoff of Hollow's Eve, which was a decent book where she put the different mask on and had different powers. But still, it does have that feel. Like, there's a lot of books now that have this feel. Like, you read the book, and while you're reading it, your mind starts wandering, like, this sucks. <laughs> this is yeah. so bad. It's like, it's so bad that it doesn't even feel like it should be like a Marvel book. But it then could again, be so a lot of them much better end up like this. It, yeah, Jed McKay was writing it. I'm sure it'd be a little bit better. Yeah. There's a lot of things going even on though. Dan and Slott was writing this with the other Spider-Man stuff. You know, besides me, I probably would have <laughs> put the Wizard of Oz things. I would have at least at the beginning talked about what the powers meant. When Paul talks about how he's altered the powers. You got to set that up with what they were before, where he could just say, listen, I know you're upset because you could be fighting a big villain and all of a sudden you shoot the, the cotton candy out your hands. We got to fix this. But why? That's the fun of it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. He just says, I know you have anxiety. Never says why. And then says, I fixed something that most people won't even know what he fixed. The only thing One. they can fix is get rid of this book and kill Paul. Paul, unfortunately, <laughs> wasn't on that, that stupid tornado bridge. One. 
one it is <laughs> and and her goggles change colors throughout yeah that's just that was bothering us of us it was bothering us so <laughs> it's just bad but that's uh, that's too long we're gonna go to the next book which is another new number one and we'll calm down a little for this one avengers twilight book one or number one written by a chip sadarsky with art by daniel Acuna, letters by vcs Corey t it's a weird book it's a weird kind of thing and i i don't know i didn't love it i think some people might really dig this one but i just i don't know in the here and now this just feels like another one of those hey look the heroes they've gotten older they're out of touch it feels a lot like even like a spider-man life story but with the avengers but it's gone wrong but it also mm-hmm. feels like hey you know, you're going to get Chip Zdarsky who's going to kind of like grab things out of the headlines a bit about how some people get, you know, people nowadays, they, they lose track of what was what and start to say that people weren't so bad or they were, you know, better or they were being. T- it's a weird play. I'll even go with the idea of how you add some people who ended up loving the Punisher symbol and then Marvel had to do something about it, but it wasn't because of that. And then they have this. It's such a weird play, but also again about like these news programs that are gonna push that, oh, you know, fake news or that it's just weird. Yeah, but it is stuff. it's old men Avengers and how they're dealing with the younger crowd, particularly the son of Tony Stark and Janet Van Dyne. And That's where it reminds me, it does remind me a bit of Kingdom Come over at DC about these new heroes that have come out and they're like really brutal and they don't get what it is to be a hero. And then the old guard has to come and do something about that. And that's what we get here. So that's why it's weird over here, because we already have, say, the Marvels. That was a lot like a Kingdom Come. This felt like it again, though, where you, you set up where old man. Steve Rogers, somehow he doesn't have the super soldier serum. It's even worn off. They keep saying they grabbed it, took from it from you, him, ripped you, took it from you. I don't know how that works, but he's old man Steve Rogers and he is out of touch. But the fun thing with Chip Zdarsky, what he's doing is he was always out of touch. You know, Steve, that's always the joke. But now he sees this young in this almost like a dystopian, I don't know, like a 1984, but way in the future type of. The government's watching you. They're controlling you. They won't let there's curfews. You're not allowed to film people. It's that sort of thing that Steve thinks is wrong. But unfortunately, Big Brother's every, watching. Yeah, Big Brother's watching. But it's like the way that it's played out to me is that there's Steve who's always against this stuff and thinks everybody should be, but they haven't quite realized. Like it's one of those where your freedoms have been taken and they kind of were taken a little bit at a time where you get to this point, nobody even understands what that means anymore. And they just go with what is the, you know, state of the day here that they allow this and he doesn't understand. I mean, yes, yeah, because depending on the timeline, they don't tell you what the year it is, but it could be almost 100 years since World War or it could just be an all future current timeline. Mainly why I didn't love it so much. First off, it feels like something that would have come out like five years ago this actually to me feels like if you got tom king back at at marvel this is kind of the vein that you'd get you're playing that game and i i don't really like that i'd rather have an avengers book that might have just the avengers do it because we haven't had a really great people might think that jed mckay avengers is good i don't and the jason aaron run sucks so we haven't really had a great avengers book to me having this alt continuity type of that I kind of wish that we were just having some fun 
and it's really dark and it's really dismal. We might get some things later, but yeah, if we had Chip Zdarsky and Daniel Acuna on a regular Avengers book, that'd be great. I thought maybe that's what we'll get. And, and so what happens too is that Steve Rogers, old Steve, his symbol is being used to keep pushing things, but in fact, he's not really down with what's going on. And so he ends up and he had run for, you know, some government deal and he lost the election and says the stuff I was pushing is old school. Nobody likes it. I lost. So he's kind of given up a bit, but he meets with Luke Cage, who's in like a weird power suit, but in a way like an old man. (laughs) So weird. He said his bulletproof skin like got so he couldn't move anymore, like uh, got too heavy or something. You're playing all that. You're playing. But (laughs) here's, I guess to me. It just is all like misery. It it all now. If you like this sort of stuff, you might think this is really cool. And oh my god, this is really well thought out. It's just nothing feels fun here to me. And I don't know. That's kind of what I want from an Avengers book at this point. But they go and visit Matt Murdock. Right? He's still there, and he ends up dying a little bit later. And we'll, we'll go through this pretty quick. It's one of those books that I think you have to read to really get the gist of it. But in the yeah. meantime, Tony's. You know, Tony and Janet's son, James, they, he has taken over Stark Industries and he's not on the up and up. And he's, and in that, you have Steve telling him he kind of lost track of what made his mom and dad great. And you're kind of dissing their legacy. And what happens, like things just go weird, like push forward because suddenly then you have Steve who's going to be on a news program. And because there's a big documentary that's coming out that's supposed to be. Oh man, the Red Skull, he was, he wasn't bad. Red Skull was trying behind the scenes. We now know that Red Skull was trying to defeat Hitler. Yeah, undermine not him. To go with him. Steve, who says he knows the truth, says, don't you get it? He was trying to defeat Hitler because he wanted to be the Fuhrer. He wanted to take over. He wasn't doing it because he was good. Yeah, he wasn't going to be an ally all of a sudden. He was no, always that. He axis. wanted to be that. And that's where, yeah. again, I think that this whole thing is Chip Sadarsky playing with the, and what? Me and you both see it. Me and you are getting older. Unfortunately, everybody's getting older every day. But each generation sees that, and they don't quite like they'll they'll make statements about something that you were there and know what happened, and they're twisting it in a way that it's because they weren't there. They don't get the context of things. They don't understand the details. They, out of you know, sight, all out that of mind. Stuff. Yeah. So, and that could be a good or a bad thing. Sometimes, whatever. But in this. He's like, they just don't understand. They don't care. That's what it's about. And again, it's not that interesting to me overall. It kind of gets political. It doesn't kind of, it does. But it kind of like which side and what's gone. It's just so ambiguous throughout this. But Steve goes and he's on this TV show and they're talking about the Red Skull thing. But then they also bring up the H Day, Heroes Day that looks like all hell broke loose and Tony Ended up having it, and it looks like there was an Ultron attack, but now again, people looking back think that, oh, no, no, it was more of the heroes. Everything that happens is because of the Avengers, all this, we think you're a piece of crap, and you just go with that. And as we go, Steve doesn't know what to do, and he's walking down the street, and you see these cops, these big armored, pretty much Iron Men, almost yeah, like they're Iron Men kind of deal. Yeah, they're like uh, Iron Men cops beating the crap out of a kid. And you have Steve can't let it go, and he starts to step in, and it looks like he, I thought he was dead, but he ends up getting grabbed, and then we're back to Luke Cage. It was a weird kind of, there was some weird progressions, but at the end, Luke Cage is kind of setting up this underground movement that they're going to take it back. Yeah, he says even like, hey, we're the, they're going to take it back to the streets and get rid of this. 
in the meantime, they have been trying to develop the super soldier serum again, and they want Steve to take it. Now, we'll, we'll forget that they say that they've killed a bunch of people that were trying to take it, but that's fine. Steve's going to be back to being the super soldier. And in the meantime, you get this, you know, Tony Stark's son, James. He's gone off to the raft to try to figure things out. And we see that Tony Stark, actually, his head at least. Man. Yeah, his head and kind of the chest deal. That must have survived the Ultron attack deal. And he's there in like a, a crazy box to back, tank. Back to tank, yeah. yeah. And he could talk about the things he's talking where you have this James talking to him. But in the end, I just, it, it didn't have a hook for me. It didn't really have something that I thought was interesting. It's very, Misery. It's very dark. It might get a little better, it's, but it just didn't really. To play me, it's like me it's well. like what Mark Miller does, but like not in a good way. It's yeah, not that's as, it. Did seem that it's way. Very, it's very in his his style. Yeah, and I I don't know, and of course because what happens in these things, but that's what I want to ask you when you're playing with a timeline and things. Then you go back like how long ago was this? Like this H day again seems like it was so long ago that it would have been Age of Ultron type of deal back in the day. But now it's twisted in this real life way because everybody's young and you see Spider-Man even dies then. And it would be like this 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 Tony Stark Jr. or whatever his name is, Jimmy or whatever. He man, would be James. maybe a little baby when it happened. Yeah. But again, it's it was a while ago because you see all the heroes and even Spider but you're gonna throw Spider Man out there. Please, you know, please They sacrifice him every America. time. Like it's every time he's done. And by the way, too, Captain America is not frail, frail Captain America. He's still pretty jacked for like a nine-year-old Oh, yeah, guy. he's an old guy. But, yeah, he seems to like, you know, he gets he's hit in the back of the head with the freaking bat and doesn't die. <laughs> I couldn't do that. But at the end, it looks I, like he's getting more jacked. And I don't know. I think it might pick up in the second issue. I don't Maybe. know. It's, it just it didn't really get me. And just to go with the whole Kingdom Come deal, if you do look at the one point, when he's standing there, he has like the gray sides, like old man Superman. <laughs> I just kind of seems, I don't know, it doesn't seem as interesting or unique as I thought it might be, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But what would you give it? I'd give, I, I'm still hopeful. I do like uh, the art. I think it's, it'll look better in the in the full copies when we get those. But the, uh, I'd give it a, I'd give it a seven. I just, I, I just don't, I can't give a solid, I know you're lower, but. Yeah, I'm a six. Hopeful for the second issue, at least. We'll see. I just, I don't know what's going to happen here because now Steve is now super soldier again, and now he's going to take it to the oppressive government that's led by 1984 esque, you know, knock the heads in Iron Man cops. I, it just, it doesn't interest me. I, I again, I, maybe it's a timing thing, and I've seen this stuff so much, and it just is. I'm kind of done with this sort of thing. Yeah, I'd, no, I, I get it. They do it a lot. Something on the, a little, a lot at DC. Better at this point. So yeah, I think I'm and done. And then for but, whatever reason, there's a random uh, throwback issue in the back of this thing. We don't know why. Avengers. Yeah, it's Avengers number three hundred. If you want to read that, it's back there. I was, even I seem thought to it was gonna, but I thought it was going to be like H day or A day, whatever that. Yeah, thing was. yeah, H day. I think H they day. It I thought even, they were going to show that in in like the old like tying it together somehow, but it's not. Yeah, it'd be Lo- cool Loki to have stuff. like an old school art to do it, but instead yeah. it's actually just a reprinted Walt Simonson and Ralph Macchio issue issue three hundred. I I don't get it, but it's there. And then at the very back, you get like a making of, and you get some of the. I kind of want to know who the new Captain America is. They don't really show him. Yeah, I I do see there. I it, they are called Iron Cops. Iron so Cops, pretty close. There they are. Not We've seen heads. that a lot. I mean, Steve, new Captain America. Yeah, but that new. I don't know what that is. So they're making like their own like. 
There's, an, there's a younger guy that's not Cap. That's him. That's what I'm saying. It's probably just going to be some guy because he has like a – is that a good guy, bad guy? I don't know. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see how it works out. But I, I wasn't that into it. I'm sure people will be though. But that's it for me and you. Yep. Took way too long on that jackpot issue. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So so crazy how bad that thing was. But we'll go off to hopefully some good issues from here on out. Hello, all you Marvelous Marvelites. Welcome to the Weird Science Marvel Podcast. My name is Zach, and today I will be doing a solo review of Marvel's Alien, number three. This issue is written by Declan Shalvey, with the present-day artwork done by Andrea Bricardo, with the flashback art by Declan Shalvey. The colors are by Ruth Redman, and the letters are by VCs Clayton Coles. So when we last left off with the uh, Alien comic, Zasha had been reunited with a synthetic Dayton, along with having June Utani be on her trail, and while that was all going on, we also see the Xenomorphs rampaging across the Wailing yutani cruise camp. Also, in the flashback, we saw one of the synthetics on the uh, Cluely mining colony start to uh, slowly get obsessed with the alien and what it is capable of. So we pick up in this issue where we see two members from the Wailing yutani crew are trying to flee from the surface. They get into a submersible. They're trying to flee the Xenomorphs that overran their camp. Uh... So they're attempting to try and reach the USCSS Borea, where the rest of the uh, submersibles are that are attempting to try and salvage the ship. And uh, as they're going down there, we see that a Xenomorph has latched on to their sub. And before it can break into their cockpit, we see one of the submorphs show up and they start fighting and the other submersibles are able to kill both of the Xenomorphs. We then transition to see Zasha and Dayton's reunion. And it's really nice. I really do enjoy it. It's very quiet, you know, and Dayton's just like, oh, Zasha, it's so good to see you. I managed to escape the uh, submorph that had attacked me 13 years ago, and I hid myself away in a closet where I hooked myself up to a very crude energy source, but it's managed to keep me alive for the past 13 years. Which, not gonna lie, that's a little far-fetched, but I'm, I'm not gonna nitpick it. I'm just gonna let it slide. But, yeah, so he's managed to stay alive, and she's really happy, and she's hugging him. And he's like, why'd you come back for me? And it's nice. Like I said, it's a really nice moment. But it's immediately broken up when June Utani shows up. And as soon as we see June Utani walk in the room, we then transition to the flashback, where we see that on the uh, mining company, the Xenomorph had escaped the, uh, the lab when the uh, head scientist synth tried to kill it. The Xenomorph escaped, murdered the... Uh, the synth, the, the main one, and then uh, the crazy one, whose designation is 227-N. Uh, I don't know if that was used in the last issue, but that, that is their designation in this issue. Uh, 227-N tries to reason with the alien, trying to communicate with it, being like, oh, I don't want to hurt you. I need you to help me eradicate the humans. They treat us like garbage. I, I can't do anything against them, but you can. I, I don't oppose a threat to you. I don't care about you. All I care is about is that you can mess up the humans. You can eradicate the humans so me and my kind can live in peace. You know, can't you see that I'm not your enemy? And he keeps trying to reason with the xenomorph. So clearly he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Now, it is a uh, synth, but still. Anyway, uh, so then, once again, we cut back to Junior Tani. And he's making demands of Sasha, Zasha saying, I want my property back. And Zasha's immediately like, oh, you, you can have your ship back as soon as I get Dayton to safety. And he's like, I'm not talking about the ship. I'm talking about Dayton. And Zasha's immediately like, what? How do you know Dayton? And he's just like, well, first off, his name's not Dayton. 
His name is 227-N. That's right, everybody. Dayton is the crazy synth scientist from the flashback. Now, looking back at it, in hindsight, it's kind of obvious. But I'm not going to lie, I never expected that. I really thought that flashback was going to be nothing more than just how to explain the aliens getting on that ship that ended up crash landing on uh, LV-695. That's all I thought it was going to be. I didn't know it was going to tie in in kind of a big way. This is a really big way. And it's kind of cool. I can't exactly say I could have predicted it because even though they don't really look similar, Dayton and 227-N. Because 227-N, he has, like, brown, short hair. And obviously, Dayton, he has long, flowing black hair. And he has a beard. And he looks very different from 227-N. But, I mean, it's not uncommon for synths to change their looks. Uh, We know if you watched uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant, uh, David had grown his hair out between the movies. And it was about shoulder level. So, I mean, they can change their appearance. It's just, it's a little... It's a little weird. You couldn't really play along with that. I mean, you just would have had to be like, oh, uh, Dayton's 227-N, you know. But, I mean, I still like it. I do like this review. I am happy that it is a huge aspect of this comic. I really thought this flashback was going to be nothing more than to fill pages. But, thankfully, it does tie in really well. So, I, I say really well. It ties in well enough. There's a few things you can nitpick, but overall, in the grand scheme of things, it works. Um. So yeah, so uh, we see the full flashback then. We see that uh, the alien immediately attacks him. You know, it does not care for sense at all. I don't care. It's not one of those things where it's like, oh, I only hate living things or uh, humans. It immediately attacks him, rips his arm off. That's why Dayton does not have an arm throughout uh, Alien, Thaw, and Descendant. It's because the xenomorph ripped it off. He then fled, which we don't yet see that, but we can just assume... He fled uh, Clue Lee, the mining colony, and he ended up working for uh, LV-695, the uh, crew of the keg, which is Batia, Zahn, and Zasha's uh, family. So he stowed away there, and he's been hiding there ever since. So that's really cool. I do like that. I do like how that ties in. And it also shows why Dayton knows a lot about the xenomorphs. Now, before then, we already knew that Batia had known about the xenomorphs. But, you know, I mean... I still like it. I still like it enough. June is just like, okay, I want him. Uh, he is coming with me no matter what. And Josh is being like, don't you dare touch him. And as soon as she says that, his bodyguard knocks her the heck out. So uh, we then see that uh, while that was going on, we also see in the background, the salvage crew for the Whaling Tiny crew, they finally managed to get all the uh, support cables tethered to the ship, and they're about to raise it out of the water. And it's it's kind of weird, because it's like, you know, a lot of people just freaking died. You know, your entire base camp got slaughtered. People were literally slaughtered on the USCSS Borea. And yet all these other people are just like, oh, well, business as usual. We got to salvage this. And it's just like, they even freaking have the two survivors from earlier, the ones who were trying to get away from that xenomorph that ended up getting shot in the water with a submorph. They're there, and yet... Still, nobody acts like it's a big deal. I mean, everybody's just like, oh, let's get the heck out of here, but not without the ship. I'm like, no, just get the heck out of there. You don't even know where Junior Tani is. You know, it's not like, you know, y'all got anything riding on this. I mean, just get the heck out of there. Get on the main ship and leave. But I don't know. I mean, I guess you could say 
uh, they're afraid of retaliation from the Utani family and the uh, CEOs. But like, at this point, I wouldn't be thinking about that. I'd be thinking about trying to survive. So either way, they decide, oh no, let's let's keep going. Let's keep doing our business. Let's do our job. Get this ship salvaged. Get it up into the atmosphere where we can haul it back to uh, the main place we need to go with Whalen Utani. They raise it up into the air. They get it out of the water. And as soon as they get out of the water, we see there are a bunch of submorphs crawling all over the bottom of it. And they begin to try and go towards the submersibles. One of the uh, drivers of the submersible gets afraid, and he starts popping off at them with the uh, weapons on it. And everybody's me like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop. You'll hit the hole. You'll damage it. This thing needs to be uh, space-worthy. Otherwise, we can't uh, get it out of here, you know. And... He's like, well, I can't just let these dang uh, xenomorphs, these aliens, come and attack us. And, of course, they start doing exactly that. They start crawling across the support cables, and they have no choice but to fire. And as soon as they start hitting them, of course, the acid blood comes out. Lands on the cables, the cable snaps, the ship starts to tilt, and then all crap breaks loose. And eventually, uh, the submorphs end up running over the submersibles. One of the submersibles ends up getting overrun. The uh, guys die. The uh, submersible then starts to uh, fly down towards the ship. It hits the middle of the ship, which damages the integrity of the ship. The ship then starts to snap in half after the cables are pulling each end up. It starts falling. It hits the ground below on LV-695. And what do you know? As soon as it hits, it sends a shockwave that opens up the ground. And guess what's below the ground? It's the giant snow crab monster thing from the Alien Annual we had earlier on, before the series. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one that has, like, the queen face hugger in it? Uh, yeah. It's, it wakes up, it breaks free of the ice, and now all crap has broken loose. Now, this is kind of a, uh, kind of a big issue, yet it's also really chaotic. Um... Uh, what what are my opinions on it? My opinion is I really do like that reveal. I really like how it ties in with Waylon Yutani, how it ties in with the flashback. All that I like. If I were to nitpick it, here's a few things that I don't like. One, Jun Yutani knows uh 227-N, Dayton. And he's like, I know you. You used to work for me on that mining planet. Which I'm like, no. Um, you, One, you weren't there. Two, if you were there... How come you weren't one of the victims? And three, this was like, how many years ago? Okay, so it took place in 2168. This book takes place in 2208. This makes no sense. How old is Jun Yutani? If it took place in 2168, this book takes place in 2208. So that would mean it is 38, 40, 40 years ago? Is that right? That sounds, yeah, it's 40 years ago. It took place 40 years ago. Junior Tani is not 40 years old. I mean, now, maybe you could argue, oh, maybe he's on some kind of uh, youth-enhancing uh, drug or something. Maybe he knows the secret to immortality. I don't know. Either way, this guy is not in his freaking 40s, 50s. This, this is like a 20-year-old kid. I don't know how that timeline works out at all. Maybe it'll get explained in the next issue, but that is a big red flag to me. Because 
there's no way he was in charge of that place back then because he's like he's like I know you two two seven dash in. You were responsible for all those people getting killed. You stole all my information. You let the xenomorph loose. None of that would have happened if it wasn't for you. You're just as bad as humans. You say that humans do nothing but kill and steal and do all this stuff. All you did was kill and steal. You stole my research. You stole or you killed these people. You let the xenomorph loose. You're just as bad as humans. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. I did smile at that because I'm... Full disclosure, I am not a synthetic fan when it comes to aliens. I don't mind them, but I don't want them to be a focus. You know, I'm not one of those people where I love, like, David or Walter. I'm a person where I was like, I like synthetics in terms of, like, Bishop. They're in the background, they are there to help you. But, I, you know, I mean, like, and I know some people might be like, oh, that's cold and heartless, not being sympathetic with the, uh, with the robots who wants to be humans. It's not that, it's just... The whole thing about this is we're dealing with aliens. We're dealing with these xenomorphs. That's what I want to focus on. Not this whole, uh, am I a real boy? Or, oh, I'm being mistreated by the humans. Like, I, I would rather much focus on, hey, there's this threat out there that threatens our existence. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to survive that nightmare? That's what I love Alien for. But uh, tangent aside, though, sorry. Just, I wanted to get my feelings out there. But yeah, so, I don't know. I, I I like Dayton, like I said, overall as a character. This does kind of evolve my opinion of him, because I don't like 227-N. But obviously, he's grown from there. He's evolved from that. He is a completely different... I, I want to say he learned his lesson. So, I do like that. Um, Yeah, so I overall, I, I do like this issue. Like I said, I'm not the biggest of synthetic fans, but I still... Like here, I do like seeing, oh, the synthetics are not as great as they are made out to be in other media. That's one of the things I didn't really like about Philip Kennedy Johnson's Alien run. He really liked to focus on the synthetics and their uh, desire to be uh, more than human and all that. And like, I don't mind it, but I'm just, I, I want to read about the aliens and we're not getting that here, sadly. But I will say I do like this stuff much better than the previous stuff we had gotten I honestly think this is probably the best issue we've gotten from Declan Shalvey, period. That's not to say there are not nitpicks in here. Like like I said, I could really nitpick Junior Tani being 20, even though he was supposedly in charge of that Cluely mining colony 40 years ago. There's weird ways to explain it, but I don't know. It's still sus. Um, I do like the interaction between Zasha and Dayton, seeing how much she does care for him and how much she missed him over the year. I don't really care for how they explain Dayton living, but I'll let it slide just because I like the character. And yeah, that, that's that's the big theme of this issue. There's a lot of things that happen that I like, but I kind of got to let some of the smaller stuff slide. Like, for instance, the them trying to still salvage the USCSS Borea. Obviously, they probably wouldn't be doing that, especially if literally a group of or the two survivors come up to them being like, oh, we got attacked by aliens. We got to get the heck out of here. And they're like, oh, but uh, Junior Tani will kill us if we don't get this ship airborne. And it's just like, who cares? Like, he's not even freaking there. Just abandon and regroup. You don't have to leave the planet. Just go go to the mothership, reform a plan, or get at least get to safety. Get away from there, regroup, replan, and then do it. But apparently they're just, they're trying to make sure they get their... Uh, uh, good graces in with the boss, I guess. I don't know. To me, it's just it still seems weird. 
But yeah, I've rambled on enough. Let me just say, I do really like the artwork, especially the Declan Shalvey artwork with the uh, flashback. Seeing the alien by Declan Shalvey is actually really cool. I really like seeing the alien. The human-esque, I say human, they're, they're sense, but I think he's better at drawing the alien than he is at drawing like the humanoid-esque characters, the sense. But I mean, that might just be my opinion. I know a lot of people like Declan Shalvey, so if you do, that's great. I'm happy for you. Oh, yeah, so... Oh no! If I had to rate this issue, I'm actually gonna go up. I usually do a seven out of ten for this book. I think that's what I've done for the past two issues. I'm actually gonna give this. Yeah, I'm gonna give this a seven point eight, which is the highest score I've given a Declan Shalvey comic. You know, period. I know Jim loves to joke that I am a huge Declan Shalvey fan. Let me say I am not, but I am a huge Alien fan, and it makes me happy that we are getting pretty good Alien content. While I would like to focus less on the synthetic stuff, I'm still happy that the comic is at least stepping in the right direction. But anyway, I'm done talking your ear off. I hope y'all guys enjoyed, and I'll talk to y'all later. And I'm here with my man Gray. What up, Gray? What up, Jim? How's it going? What up? I would ask if you're Genki, but neither of us are. We're both tired, and we're both on separate sides of the world. You are ready to go to bed. And I didn't go to bed pretty much last night. So we're both not Yankee. Were you howling at the moon last night, Jim? Like Cap? Yeah, <laughs> like Cap or maybe Ozzy Osbourne. But we end up in these books here. We have two books. The first one we're going to do is Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos. It is number four. It's that weird play now that Marvel has a bunch of these four-issue minis where normally I'm always used to these five issues. But I don't know. Some of these... You know, work out when they're four. We'll be talking about that in the next one. But this Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos, we kind of liked it as kind of a, a guilty pleasure type deal. It's it's what it is. It's Cap Wolf. Stephanie Phillips is trying to have a little bit of fun. It has a weird ending that's not quite an ending. You can kind of go with it. But overall, it was okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. It was kind of like goofy fun. But it felt, to be honest, even four issues felt a little bit long to me. They could have done it in three. It's stretched out, isn't it? Yeah, I think three might have been the way to go because this is just kind of like you said, it's goofy. And maybe that's the thing we're not really expecting much. And no. it's kind of fun. The art's really good, but I'll give you the credits. It's Cap Wolf and the Howling Commandos, number four, written by Stephanie Phillips, artist by, uh, art by Carlos Magno, colors by Espen Gutenjern, letters by VCs Travis Lanham, and we're there at Wolf Schnanz. Where you, we already know that Nazis are making Wolfmen. That's basically what it is. With the help of Ross, a bling infused Russian witch, Wolf Woman. It's crazy. Uh, looks pretty cool. And while this issue, I expected a little more from, say, Nick Fury. He does show up, but at the last end of the last issue, remember, he like got out of his bed. And he's like, I, I don't want to be here. And the one lady nurse kind of gave him the wink, wink. Well, this is when he can kind of escape and he went to help him. I expected him to be a little bit more of it. But really, this whole play, it's dumb, dumb. Yeah, you had the rest of the Helen Commandos. But unless you know them already, I think that you just center on dumb, dumb anyway. And Cap being a wolfman. Cap fighting this blinged out Ross wolf woman. She's still trying to convince him. That the Wolfman ways are the ways they should go. She is using the Nazis to maybe make her own Wolfman. I say Wolfman, but the Wolf People War. And I still think that possibly she wants to maybe start knocking boots with Cap. I mean, you know, they're going to start doing it. 
I was going to say that maybe they do it doggy style, but I think that is a little bit of an over-the-top joke Ooh. here. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm so tired. What the heck? So they're fighting while you end up having the Howling Commandos, you know, kind of standing around at this point because there were problems and there was going to be this big Wolfman army that was going. And we get Frankie, this French resistance lady, who just ends up grabbing bombs and runs back into you know, the compound that they were there to take out. And again, it's just action movie dialogue. It's kind of over the top action as you go. And Frankie's pretty tough. She goes in the one Nazi, she knees right into the balls and then ends up going to stop the all. She's going to blow up everything. She's going to end up killing. But you end up where the Nazis kind of get the upper hand on her and look like they're going to kill her. And they make a mention of this. And this is where I'm like, okay, we're going to have Frankie go in and get this cure. But there is no cure. We're told there is no cure here. There's only a little bit of an antidote that will suppress the Wolfman stuff. So then I'm thinking, okay, well, what's happening with Cap now? I thought we're going to have to end it with Cap not being the Wolfman. We don't quite do that here. And I will actually give Stephanie Phillips some credit. I didn't expect that. I thought that pretty much we'd find this at like how this is going. She'll end up taking care of the Nazis, antidote, cap, boom. But no, pretty much they're like, there is no antidote. You can only suppress it. So that's kind of a, a weird play, but she's about to get shot. Dum Dum jumps in front. I, I don't know, takes a bullet. The whole thing of this was she was supposed to think that she might have been a double agent, kind of, but she seems to be not. And then she picks up a gun. They're killing Nazis. And then suddenly... They're making out. I didn't get it. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess it works, but it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, I was surprised him that Dum Dum uh, jumps in. He's like I say, he takes a bullet, he blocks the shot, but he's got no gun himself. What's he doing? He's like, he's empty-handed, isn't he? And the next yeah, minute, he's, he's smooching with her. Oh, he's smooching it up, and I'm like, all right, I guess that kind of goes with. The it brings tech. you closer when someone tries to shoot you, I guess, and someone takes a bullet for you. I mean, any time that I've in my life, and you know, we're a little bit older, so we've seen some things. And every time I end up in a Nazi compound saving a woman who's trying to take down a guy with an antidote to be a wolfman, it usually ends with smooching. So I'll go with that. That's usually what has <laughs> happened the five times that I've done that if I had a nickel. Uh, but you then get this deal after they're smooching. You go back to Cap and bling. Which wolf They're still fighting, aren't they? They're fighting and they're talking at the same time while they're fighting, of course. The talking and the fighting, it it looks great. It really does. This book looks really good. But it's kind of just the same thing. It's kind of like, come on, Cap, join me in my battle to be the the werewolf nation. And Cap's like, no. And come on, we can do it together. No. And it keeps going. And we know that Cap's not going to join. She doesn't seem to have gotten the memo. But at the end, the big kicker is like why are you doing this you know and oh i'm doing it for revenge okay i'm not into that and then all of a sudden the bunker that has all like she wants to turn all these people into werewolves and then the bunker blows up because that's what that frankie was going to do in the first place so they're blowing up this bunker which ross is like oh no no my research all my thing as she's getting just lit up with bullets as well but they're not going to really hurt her and she goes running she goes running back in, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah what are she you runs doing? the explosion. Cap tries to stop her, Jim, as well, doesn't he? He's like, no, don't do it. Yeah, Cap seemed like at the end he might have like had second thoughts. Maybe they were going to knock it. Maybe He's it like, was, yeah, fatal attraction. Here we go. Uh, yeah, really. And I, I'll go with that 
Cap is that weird kind of character that it doesn't matter what's happening. He wants to see that good side, but I don't know how you can look at Wolf Woman Ross Witch Russian Nazi. I don't see any good. And you kind of need her to disappear. So she runs I think it's in. The, it must be the bling, Jim. He, he likes the bling. It's love that. Remember <laughs> how enthralled he was with that skull that oh, she yeah. had as part of the bling? I do. Well, she, she runs into the explosion. He almost acts like it's like, oh, no, Ross, why are you doing this? And that's where the Howling Commandos come in. And, and Capris, he looks rabid. He does. He's foaming at the mouth here, isn't he? What's going on? I thought that this was going to be... Oh, I get it. He's now going to kind of turn on the Helen Commandos because he's really upset. But he shouldn't be that upset about this Ross wolf woman. But he ends up frothing of the mouth. And then we just go, okay, well, that's kind of done with. Everything seems better. They're like, okay, well, unfortunately, you know, we did blow up the Wolfman serum and all the Wolfman, but there is no antidote. There's no serum, but okay. And then all of a sudden, the one Nazi, friend, he just shows up again. I don't know how this guy, he's there with this Luger and says, I still have this. Why does he go after them? Like, this is what I'm, I know. It doesn't make sense. No, you, know? you have the Helen Commandos and Cap Wolf. And this guy who his plan is to take the serum and become a Wolfman himself to start the process over again. But to do it, he has to run over to the Howling Commandos and Kaplan <laughs> and say, hey, you guys, I'm taking the serum now and I'm going to turn it away. Why? Do he could He's so busy talking, isn't he, Jim? That, yeah, he, he could he could have drunk it like five times over. Yeah, five times over away from them. He actually <laughs> went else. to them and he's like yelling because I, I guess he just can't it's help the old, It's the old cliche, isn't it? Like, I'll tell you my plan so that you can stop me. I love that this is such a, a crazier version. Because not only is he doing the villain monologue, but he had to kind of get away from an exploding bunker, run over to these guys and get their attention. They're all kind of there slapping five. And everybody's kind of done. And he's like, oh, excuse me. I- I'm over here and I'm about to take the serum. And it- it- nobody, he has the gun on him. Nobody's, but then that's where you get Nick Fury. He just shows up and usually in this, what you would expect. And what I expected, first off, if there was an antidote and he came over and said, I'm going to destroy the antidote and then you get him or kind of like a lethal weapon, kind of like a thing where at the last second, the guy we thought was dead stands up and he's going to shoot Cap Wolf. But but none of that. He's just going to take the serum and there's Nick Fury out of nowhere and shoots him. And then they're all like, thanks a lot, Sergeant Fury. Thanks for the assist. I'm like, this guy, this German officer is the, bit, the stupidest guy ever, but he's going down. He's he's dead. And then you have the crazy deal where, as a joke, Fury says, because that's where Cap says, thanks for the assist. And he says assist. He's angry, isn't he? Yeah. It's like that, that's an interesting way of saying, I saved your life from a crazed Nazi commander hell-bent on turning into a werewolf to save the advance of the Third Reich. And then Cap Wolf kind of goes, Potato, potato. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Where's your hi hat, Jim? Where's your symbol? Oh, it's Jesus. A, is that meant to be a joke? Yeah, it's so ridiculous that I could go with it because at least it's not like Stephanie Phillips has never taken herself seriously in this. No, that's been good about it. Yeah, to be yeah, fair. These the goofiness, other books this yeah. week, they're t- trying to be serious and making worse jokes than that and in a serious deal. So, okay, I'll go. I'll go with it. I love, too, where Nick Fury just ends up showing up here 
and just sees Catwolf. Like, he wouldn't know. He comes and sees a werewolf kept there and doesn't bat an eye. He just starts joking with him. I'm like, that Fury, he's the an things accepting he's guy. Seen, Jim, the things he's seen. <laughs> and then just says, I got to be honest with you, Captain. You look like crap. I'm like, yeah, yeah, he does. And it's so fun. Like I said, I love the idea that Nick Fury, it, this is canon now. If, if you're a monster of any sort, but can somehow get a Captain America outfit on, he'll just let you go. He'll think you're fine and dandy. Doesn't that yeah, matter? He just looks says like, you look like crap. So I said, that I was worried that by the end of this, what you would have is that the super soldier serum, oh, we just checked you out. It was temporary. We think that the super soldier serum burned out the wolfman in you. You kind of get that, but kind of a last second deal of that this could continue. I don't think it will. But if it does, we'll be there to, to have it because he, Cap, he's getting looked at by this nurse. First off, he's humongous. I mean, he's so big. And they're like, well, you know, we kind of didn't have a, a cure for you, but we'll know how. And it seems that Frankie might be saying that they did get that bit of a kind of antidote that kind of suppresses it a bit. It's weird because when it she wasn't says, really clear, was it? He was yeah, saying because that, yeah. why would you have them there? I mean, yeah, you're going to do tests. First off, if, if Captain America turns into a wolfman and you, they're sending him back to the U.S., probably studying him till he dies. But. You end up where she says, please, Captain, we didn't provide you with any kind of cure. Who knows how it will interact with your super soldier serum long term? Now, the interact is, is it that they got that suppressor and how that interacts? Or is she just talking Wolfman? I don't know. It's kind of a weird way at the end that you don't really get. And I think that what happened, you kind of. You didn't need to keep going serum, serum, serum. They should have been just trying to find an antidote. And Mm -hmm. the serum antidote back and forth did get a little wonky about what exactly was happening and what they were doing. So you end up where he's like, well, you know, I'm just glad we got the mission done. And you helped us out there, Frank. You're pretty good. Dum Dum comes in and says that he's sorry for treating Cap like crap earlier and not trusting him. Cap's a good guy. But, hey, we got to get going. I think he's lying. He just wants to get rid of Frankie. Now that they smoked, he's like, I don't really. But he's like, hey, the Hell Commandos, we're going off. Thanks a lot, Cap. Sayonara, sucker. And they go. I like that they're all hooting and hollering as they go off. And Cap salutes them and then looks at the moon. And his eyes change. And you get that classic, you know, end of a horror movie that it might not be the end. And it says the end with a question mark. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this might be the end. You can kind of play around with it, but kind of goofy. I wish there was more of a definitive ending, but that's kind of funny anyway. And it fits the tone of the book. But what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was kind of goofy fun. As you say, great art. A little bit repetitive in my mind, but yeah, you know, compared to the other book we're going to talk about, yeah, I enjoy this a lot more. So as a score, Jim, I'm going to give this a 6.5. Yeah, I think I'm a 6, but it's it's a positive 6. It, it really... It's not, I'm not angry about this. I'm just, I think you nailed it earlier. It kind of stretched it a little too far to get to four. I guess you have to fill out that trade, but three issues might have been. I mean, you could it's convince me. It's the trade me. thing, you're right, isn't it? The trade deal, definitely. I, You could convince me that one oversized issue could have really taken care of this as well. And it might have. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah, you know, three issues, because then you could have just, you know, you set up, you have that middle deal, and. It's that extra, extra bit to fill out the trade that was a shame, but I'm six, you're a six, five, but still, uh, after the fact, 
If anybody asks me, oh, how was it? Should I read it? I'll be like, yeah, it's kind of fun. You can go check it out. I, I wouldn't say that, oh, my God, avoid it like the next book. Because here we go. This, this is the book that has made Gray just not Yankee. He's not Yankee. He ended up getting upset. You don't get upset about much. I mean, when we go to review things, you're a very positive guy. You didn't like this, did you? I mean, this is it's how, sucked, how it sucked all the gankiness out of me, Jim. It really did. It was a real like sapper. Wow. It, it's and it's weird too because again, usually I say to you, "Hey, this is what we have coming up. This is what came out." <laughs> you usually get excited. You're usually like, "All oh, right, yeah, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to that." The minute that I told you that we're going to be doing. Like Widow, you're like, oh no, not that book. And and the funny thing is, still giving it a shot because we're not going to read it before we read it. it. It's it's worse than I thought it was going to be. And when you go into this, it's issue three. It's White Widow number three. When you get into this, and I kind of came up with this theory in my mind that if you have a like the recap, if you're going to recap stuff, you can go by how much either an editor thinks that people aren't going to remember. You didn't properly set up because a recap page is there to let everybody know what's going on with the story and then, you know, get into it. Also, it it shows you after two issues of this book, we're on the third issue. This story is so convolutedly crazy that it almost has a a book length. of. It's one of the biggest, longest recaps I've seen because none of the stuff that we saw before made sense. And you end up having to. Let everybody know what it is to go forward. And it still doesn't make sense. When we get into this issue, it is all over the place. Oh, my white white widow. I almost said white wolf. White widow, number three, written by Sarah Gailey. Art by Alessandro Miracolo. Uh, colors by Matt Miller. And letters by VCs. Travis Lanham. We start with a flashback, you know, as if the current stuff isn't confusing. And... This flashback is trying to work into the story, but it doesn't really and you don't like steps from it because what you have here is Yelena, she is trying to assassinate She-Hulk. So she's there going to see all kind of, you're trying to kill me. No, assassinate. That sounds more impressive. And at this point, when you have Yelena talking, she's talking fine. It's like, I'm telling you, calling an assassination will make it sound more impressive. At points in this, Sarah Gailey remembers, oh, she has a Russian accent and reverts to that in a weird way, then goes back and forgets it again. It's all over the place. But you have in this two things. There's this mentor-mentee thing because you have She-Hulk and her mentee, Marguerite, which we don't know, but that kind of goes into that overall mentor thing that Yelena wants to do with the one assassin. We'll see her later. And that Yelena's there to kill this son. Of Maximo Best. The son is Proximo Best. This seems like it's important until later. The real thing that's important is the daughter of Max. So it doesn't even fit. It, it's so wonky. I don't even know where it came from, this uh, this guy. You know, the- okay, what's happening? It's the action scene, but we're going to have others. And at the end, she's like, I'm going to go. And it's just goofy. Jim, the dialogue balloons. I, I lost count of dialogue balloons on. I, I couldn't get through them. Could you? Flipping heck. I ended up, it took me forever. So all this again is that Yelena's like, oh, that's your mentee? I see that you give her a lot of, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm going to be a mentor too. I don't think that's good. Oh, well, I'm going to go kill this guy that you're trying to protect. And it's just for goofs. So then we go, we go to the regular book. And again, mm. there's so many 
things that are like left open and dangling and things that names that you won't know and things like that in the town of Idlehaven, where White Widow has gone to kind of retire, but has run into a a bad over the top corporation armament that seems like the evil Amazon slash, you know, Walmart type deal that is collecting assassins by giving them, you know, Armament upgrades to if they lost a leg, they'll replace the leg. It just doesn't make sense. And it's just, it's not a great story. But you have Elena's trying to break into this armament because they ended up getting evicted from their townhouses. They got eviction notices. The one girl that's in the apartments with them, this girl is Griffin, a tech person. So you got. Her kind of working like an oracle type deal through this. The girl in the chair. Yeah, yeah, in the chair. So what Yelena is doing, she seems to think that since they were evicted, if they go in and burn up the eviction notices at this HQ, then they're not evicted anymore. That really seems like the plan at first. That's how it works, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I I thought so. (laughs) the, The idea of here and now, especially a tech person telling Yelena this, that has no clue that if we just go and wipe out some, there's never going to be backups. And really, nobody will remember. They'll just forget that we were evicted because the, the paper and the things. Are, so after that, and does do that, then says, oh, I'm going to take down the main guy, Hamish, which we didn't even know. Where is he? Oh, he's on the top floor. Okay, I'll go get him. She then goes up to this top floor. I, I don't even know how to explain. Hamish, the what's supposed to be the, the leader, he's kind of a cybernetic implants connected to almost like axel rose in the welcome to the jungle video he's there with these big banks of tvs and computer screens i thought it was the lawnmower man do you remember him <laughs> why is this Seriously, i don't know and and he's there and what the joke here is that it looks like he's like the one who's in command of social media stuff so you have like he's I guess the joke is he's the one who gets us all like click baited up and things like that. Because even one of the things is hot dog, eh? a sandwich. B talk. I'm like, stop it. Stop it. This book is bad. The art's okay. But she realizes, okay, this guy isn't the leader. Kicks him in the head. I don't know what that does. Maybe unplugs the lawnmower man. Then she's walking down the street. She runs into the guy, Rowan. I don't even rem- I don't remember I these no characters. We is. have reviewed each issue. There's only two issues up to this point. We're not that dumb. We're dummies. We're not that dumb. It feels like there's been twenty five different characters, Jim, isn't it? And none of them end up being any sort of oh, I remember that person. Memorable, or I don't, yeah. Don't yeah. know their names. The only thing we knew at one point to, to jo- is that Griffin, though I didn't remember the name, her mom. We didn't know it was her mom until we found out it was her mom. And that's kept, but that's it. I don't remember these characters. <laughs> and this Rowan works for this armament. He's out at what looks to be 2 a.m. He's there trying to get medicine for his chronic fatigue syndrome. Why do we need to know this? It's unbelievable. Does, does this seem like I'm making sh- stuff up? It's random. It's completely random yes. again. That's He's right. going yeah. to get, and you even have to have, it's like, oh, I got treatment for this. Uh, editors know what he's saying is chronic fatigue syndrome. I'm like, it. why? Why do I? All he has to say is, I'm getting my medicine, and even play. If if it's me, 
because he seems like he's mind controlled, which probably that's what we find out the medicine is anyway. Yeah. But just say that. I'm here to get my medicine. Oh, what what's wrong with you? What medicine? You know what? I'm not really sure, but I know I have to get my medicine. I just got an alert. Just do that. Then suddenly you end up with these three characters that show up on a, a scooter and they have these blue men in there. They're, we're going to bring you down. We're here to assassinate Rowan because we're armament people and it doesn't make sense. And I'm saying it doesn't make sense just overall. Rowan in the book, he's confused. Why are they trying to kill me? It ends up that this town it is a training ground to assassinate people. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. You know, he, at one point you got Rowan saying, there must be a misunderstanding. These are my co-workers and they're trying to kill him. And it, it, we have no idea why. Yeah. Also, just to put, you keep throwing the joke in about a dental plan. Dental plan. <laughs> oh God, is it that joke again? This isn't oh, working. Geez. And so Yelena is going to fight. Now, Yelena and Griffin, they've set up what now becomes the running joke of these knives. Which could have been cool, but you joke about it too much and it becomes too much of a focus of the knives, you know, the sting and the bite. And I'm going to do this. And should I name it that? How do I do this? What's my catchphrase? I'm like, I don't really care. Just go with it. And when you get to a point, and I hope I see the point, when we get to a point where Elena actually does spell out everything that's like the stakes of all this, it's such a laughable joke that it, it seems like it's not real. But while they're fighting these three assassins, Elena realizes, oh, man, I think this one is Baxter. And I'm like, who? Baxter? That ends up being the mentee that she's been mentoring about, hey, what are you doing? Sorry about Wolverine and me. It's the beginning of the whole series. But who remembers anything in this? And she says, oh, Armament, I signed up because they gave me a new leg. We knew this, but this just kind of happens. And they're like, oh, we're just trying to kill Rowan. It's our training exercise. <laughs> And it doesn't make sense. And we're just, we're going to get through this quick because then she goes, Baxter goes through this backstory, Baxter story says, oh yeah, yeah, they helped me out. And I ended up getting this leg, but I have to be under their deal. I'm kind of an indentured servant now for four years and I can deal with it. Rowan yells about his chronic fatigue again. And then they just kind of like, Rowan just still, I don't know why, you know, they're after me. Then they're trying to figure out who the main person is, and they accidentally faxed in these assassins, and one gives the name. I think it's Renata who's the big boss, and because of that, they had a non-disclosure pact that now this Baxter's leg blows up. She's dead. What's going on in this, Gray? Please, I need somebody to tell me why this book exists. Because I've it's into a nonsense dimension, Jim. I have no idea. Seriously, I read it, I read it through. I was just like, I have no idea what happened. No idea. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm at the end already. I'm right at the end. Everybody's blowing up because of this. Like, so, so this is where, and I said, this is where I'm going to give you full out the MO of this book and why it means something. You end up where they, where did I know this name? Renata. Never mentioned before. It's the sister of the guy and the daughter of the guy who were brought up earlier in the issue. And that's where Yelena's like, oh, I should have known. Why would you know? Why would you, you, This is just a character thrown at all of us, including you, mm. Yelena. But she says, I have to get revenge. Listen, Rowan, this is what that woman, because she sees her picture on it. All of a sudden now, every billboard has this woman's picture on it. Like, it says, that woman has attacked my neighbors. This, this is why Yelena Belova, White Widow, 
why she's in this book, what she's doing, and it is a, a travesty. She says, that woman attacked my neighbors. All right, we got that. She has attacked sharp sweets. <laughs> That's there at the, the candy shop. Oh, also, she destroyed beans and jeans, the coffee store. And tonight she killed two promising young assassins for no good reason. There it is. This book is, she ended up, oh, my God, this lady ruined a candy store at a coffee shop with the worst name and two assassins. Oh, my God, we need revenge. And she says, you know what this job is now? This job is for revenge. I'm like, this sucks. This is so bad. It's, it's so, so bad. It, I, I'm telling you, I'm trying to get through it. This, this has happened so many times this week with these books, and I don't get it. I don't understand how these things get passed. Somebody at a desk. I don't know how same, it's greenlit. I don't know what is happening, but this is where when people talk about, and I know there's a fight going on, different sides and whatnot, but in general, when people say there's a problem with comics nowadays, that this is why I, I tell people, don't use catchphrases. Don't sit there and say, and I'll even say it. Don't say, oh, it's because they're woke. Because one side will use that term, the other side will turn it off and not listen. That word's kind of lost its meaning these days as well, Jim, hasn't it? It's been overused so Yeah, much. what we end up with that, when you say that, that type of phrase, the side that is actually producing these comics just gets the, oh, they're haters, they'll never like anything, and they're awful. You're not a cop, because this book, and a lot of these books, it's not just because of that. It's because they suck. It's yeah. because these writers are terrible. And what you're doing by using those catchphrases is giving those people who are writing shitty comics like this, you're giving them an out. They can then just say, oh, they're, they're haters. They're awful. No, these comics are awful. Focus on that. Focus. This is the only this way this comic, gets example, better. This is one of many, but it's, it's been written by people who, who are not comic book writers. They might, they might be, um, they might be short story writers or, you know, they might have done something else, but they don't know the medium of comics. They just don't get it. And we're not being unfair, are we, Jim? We're trying to like explain why it doesn't work. It's just the story's not good. You'll never hear me use those catchphrases. I'm no, here I'm to ashamed. enjoy a comic. And then if I don't, if I do, I'm here to explain why I personally don't like it it's our opinion but it's just getting to the point where this whole thing it's just a tug of war that nobody will ever win because you're just throwing random phrases out that mean nothing to anybody and all it does is let them you're giving them an out you are giving them an out by instead of saying this comic stinks because the character work is awful there's no setup to anything you're throwing random stuff at the reader and then at the end nobody knows what's going on that's what you say and then maybe somebody will listen. They'll still think we're hating. A lot of these people right? don't even read the comment, do they, Jim? They're just like, oh, this is, oh, White Widow, it's by that writer, right? This is terrible. They haven't even read it. They haven't even read it. I wish I hadn't read it, to be honest. <laughs> On the flip side, maybe some of these writers, it's, it, people will laugh, but some of them may come through. One of the writers who wasn't a normal comic book writer, we bring it up a lot, Jeremy Adams at DC, writing some really good comics. There is a possibility of doing oh, it. Yeah. But if you just end up, and, and Elena, me and you both like the character, but immediately we saw it's dealing more with the, the movie deal, so that throws you off a bit. But then it's just a story that, you know, it doesn't matter. But, but it, it also just is not well written whether or not Sarah Gailey could write a good TV show, comic, whatever. This isn't it. This is bad. The pacing's terrible. It's all of that all rolled up in one. But please, center on and go with what is the real problem. The real problem is a lot of these comics are written 
so poorly that I can't see how any new readers could be like, oh, my God, I love these comics. It's a shame that newer readers, somebody wants to get in, are going to run into this. These roadblocks is what they are. They're I just know. bad. If this is their first experience of the comic, you know, it's, it's going to put you off. Simple as that. It put you off. Yeah. And again, there's things that happen in this comic that you can look at, oh, it's this, that, or whatever. Don't. Just center on the one thing. Awful. It's an awful comic. It's not written well. And if you're a Yelena fan, if you're away... You're not getting anything that I could think will matter to you in the end. But what would you give this as a score? I feel I don't like to give low scores because the art is the art <laughs> is decent. Yeah, okay. but this, yeah. this is all about the story, all about the characters. You know, the lack of story, really, the lack of character work. I'm giving this a two, two out of ten. See, I want to be a little positive after my rant there. Two point five. I mean, it, it's bad. It's really bad. There's, it's one of those when you're reading it and you just realize that. There's no reason for this to even be out. It's not doing anything. And in the end, I just, we're here to tell you what we think and maybe avoid it. If, if you want to see how bad it is, maybe, maybe there's fun in that, but it is, it's really bad. It's complicated. We have one more issue left. To be concluded, this is another four issue. I don't even know what happened so far to even what, I mean, really all that I can say that's going to happen is she's going to go after this Renata best. And maybe force her to not have these this town get assassinated. I don't know. It's so bad, but it's not my book of the week. I'll tell you that. But we'll go off now. I'll let everybody know what we're going to be talking about next week. I hope that me and Gray, I hope me and you get to talk about something that we really, really enjoy. But those are few and far between. But that's just the way it is. And I'm getting, I'm getting depressed. And overall, it's just so sad. We want these things to be good. But I'm going to go and tell everybody what we'll be talking about. Next week, but thanks for joining me, Gray.